The following program is sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group. Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable. Equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Past performance is not in Indicative of future results. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Now, let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. be propped up merely by these six stocks. This is reminiscent to me of the tech bubble of the late 90s. And if you look at energy, yeah, energy has crept up. But since, I mean, I'm looking at uh, just as a proxy of that, symbol XLE, it's an ETF in energy. And although up for the year, Last few months been very choppy and flat. You know, since about May, it's been it's been you know had some chop. So energy has rebounded a little bit, but uh, yeah, mid caps, small cap value has lagged significantly. So good points. Anything else? Yes. Uh, one, can I comment on the interest rate the debate? Sure. Yeah. We, yeah. We were talking about the interest rate debate. Why were they rates? Why were rates raised this week? Is it a nefarious reason? Is it politically motivated? For eight years of Obama, they were raised very little. Now, all of a sudden, yes, the the economy is booming again, uh, supposedly, well, in the I, Trump economy, and that's why they're raising rates. What do you think? I had an email exchange with somebody from Barron's on on this point, and that uh, I feel it is politically motivated. And his point was that uh, they're being raised because real rates are negative. And I responded that uh, I think inflation has been overstated for years. So I, I agree I, completely. You got to realize a lot of this is politically motivated, meaning, okay, the, these reporters, Barron's, CNBC, yep. wherever I've been on them, I don't know if they don't want to say it's politically motivated because then they won't get that big interview, you know, with Jerome Powell, Fed chairman. It's, but it seems it, that when, when you do comment to these people that it's politically motivated, they get very, sh uh, sh I don't want to say short-tempered, but uh, very defensive. So Oh, well, well, I have a woman who, I don't know uh, how long you've been listening to the show. I heard it was Diane Swank, right? Yeah, but Diane Swank, you know, she took my head off. I, I know, mean, I heard, she, I listened to she your... Was, 
we got to get that clip. I mean, she was disrespectful. I mean, she yes. didn't even, she acted like I was some beyond. She's a Hillary um, supporter. But, you know, but she's supposed <laughs> to be less political. And there's a whole, yeah, if you Google, is the Fed politicized? I brought this up February 23rd of 2017. I heard the clip. And Diane Swank, I mean, it was not even nice. I mean, she took the gloves off. I know. But good for her. Uh, she actually, by the reaction, these people are letting on that they know something that we don't. Does that make sense? I, I thought, you're right. I, I it's agree. almost like the deep state. There's a deep state in yeah. the government. There's a deep state in the economic realm. Well, many of these yeah. Fed members are Obama people, and uh, I think they're browbeating this guy Powell into going along with the program and just keep pushing rates up until they sandbag the economy and, and cause a deflationary accident. But they don't care. They just think, oh, well, then we'll just... Well, thank you for the call. Our guest is joining us, so we got a quick go. Sorry to move on. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, and we're joined now by the fresh new author. And this author has a book on how you can become like the 1% and how you can manage your money like the 1%. We have Fraser Rice, who we're actually giving away four free copies of his book to the first four of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review. I always say this, Fraser. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and why we should care what you write. Terrific. Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Josh. This is a real treat. Um, so I, I worked for a trust company for 16 years, and... Uh, I spent the vast majority of my time, I'd say, taking care of the ones that I had and going out and finding new ones. And so sure. uh, af after 16 years, I feel like I've seen a bunch of different patterns as it relates to good decision making amongst the wealthy. And uh, I decided to put that uh, put pen to paper and try to codify that a little bit so that people can uh, arrange their affairs, uh, start making decisions start structuring their wealth in a way that uh, they can avoid rookie mistakes and maybe take advantage of some of the experiences that I've seen. Sure. And what are some of those rookie mistakes that you see? Well, among the major ones, I think the first one is not really putting some thought into, uh, A, understanding what people's cost structures are. Uh, many times if they go from one type of wealth to another, and by that I mean uh, they're selling a business, they have an inheritance, maybe they're getting a divorce, uh, maybe they're a first-round draft pick and are showered with riches like Saquon Barkley or somebody like that. And they're going from one uh, lifestyle into another, and they don't take into account what their costs are currently and then what they're going to be. And I see a lot of financial wreckage caused by the fact that people start, uh, people start spending beyond their means, even though they have more assets or maybe more, uh, more income than they were used to having before. And so there's a little bit of a sugar high, I think, uh, if there isn't any sort of thought around that. And then by extension, uh, by not understanding the cost structures, they end up putting themselves into a situation where they might have a lifestyle reduction later, especially in retirement, uh, if they don't understand what things cost and then what the assets they have can generate in order to support that spending. That's really at the current wealth area. Uh, for those people who have a lot of assets and they have things that they're going to be able to give away uh, when they die, um, 
sure. for the next generation and beyond. Uh, many times I think that there's a lack of communication uh, with the younger generation as to what the plan is. And then that lack of communication causes infighting, uh, and you get issues related to trust fund kids. You get issues related to uh, really the types of things where the, the infighting and the squabbling starts when the estate starts to get executed, and that can, that can be a real uh, threat to wealth as well. We're with Fraser Rice, author of the new book, Wealth Actually. This is a intelligent decision-making guide for the 1%. It is our free book when you schedule a meet-and-greet this week at 888-988-JOSH. Now, so let's talk about, you mentioned a lot here. You mentioned spending and you mentioned legacy. Let's first talk about legacy. Uh, You mentioned that that was an issue uh, that you've dealt with getting the family prepared for money. So, But let's say we get somebody listening right now. They go, I have a lot of money, and I don't know how to arrange my affairs so that when I die, my heirs don't fight. We, we hear it all the time that inheritances can sometimes divide families. How do you prepare for that? I mean, I guess the first thing would be to get to the patriarch or matriarch so that they talk about their money? I mean, what say you? Sure. Well, there's a couple of different things. I think the first one is to get families used to making decisions together. Uh, I don't think you necessarily have to go and have a uh, seminar from on the hill uh, dictated to the family saying, this is how it's going to be, uh, this is what I want, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, I think ultimately you have to have a a transfer of facts so that people understand what you think you want in place. But what I really try to do or what I try to advise people is to get the families to be making decisions together uh, and so that there's an innate sense of what the strengths and weaknesses are of each member of the family. Uh, I get into that a little bit, a useful exercise, and this gets into the use of philanthropy in transferring values from one generation to the next, uh, is where you take four, let's say you had three kids, taking $4 that you would normally uh, use to give away to your uh, charity of choice and giving each kid $1, so you have $3 there, and then having them give to the the charity of their choice. And then the fourth dollar, having the kids or the family together decide how best to give away that fourth dollar. That does a few things. Uh, The first one is it gives everybody an idea of what's important to each child, uh, which I think is an interesting way of uh, picking up some data points as to what is important to people. The, the, the fourth shared part is good in the sense that you get each of the kids uh, giving their input uh, and coming up with a joint decision where everyone is accountable, everyone has to buy in, and ultimately they're able to share in the benefit of having uh, made that fourth donation. It's a very inexpensive way to get people to start thinking about uh, money issues and philanthropy issues slash values issues going forward. And I think that's a good exercise in forming the groundwork when you start dealing with larger sums of money and more important and more complicated structures like trusts and structuring and accounts and uh, titling and things like that. Uh, yeah, that no, that's fantastic. And it would be a good exercise to do with your kids. It would be a good exercise to do with your kids or grandkids. 
Absolutely. Um, and, I, and, and taken to the nth degree, if you have enough money to be uh, making larger situations, uh, it's a terrific exercise in, uh, in terms of getting everyone together uh, and talking about what you as a family want to transfer as it relates to values and what your legacy will be to society as a whole. Really think it's a kind of a cool, neat way to do it, and very inexpensive uh, as it relates to uh, just by the mere fact of doing it. You don't have to put a lot of dollars to it, but a few sure. dollars uh, can can make a big difference in teaching kids what we're, you want, what you're about, and what you want to transfer. We're with Fraser Rice, author of the book that we're giving away. If you're among the first four who call us at eight 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 nine eight eight Josh. For the financial quarterback wealth building conversation, we'll give you an estate planning snapshot, which is an easy to understand one pager of your money protection, savings and growth. And we'll also give you a 40 to 50 page wealth blueprint. But you have to call us and schedule the no obligation review. And Frazier's people have been so kind to give us four for the first four of you who schedule and keep your no obligation Review, or you can, uh, I'm sure, go to uh, Wealth Actually, you know, buy Wealth Actually at wherever books are sold. Now, uh, we're going to talk about next. What about somebody listening says, I don't want my heirs. So people are calling us now feverishly, 888 Josh. What about people who say, what about people who say, I don't want to bring this up with my kids because I'm afraid of a fight now? How do they broach the subject? We get a lot of people. You know, in their 70s, 80s, who listen to the show, even 60s, they don't want to cause a squabble. What do they do? Well, I think, first and foremost, I think that uh, there are some problems or opportunities that you just can't avoid. And I think that the squabble that you are avoiding and the discomfort that you're avoiding early on could lead to massive problems later. Uh, What I've seen in particular that is particularly destructive is when that shared decision-making is occurring uh, at the execution of an estate, uh, when when emotions are high, uh, there's usually a lot of sorrow and despair around uh, uh, around that event when someone dies, and you're starting to make big financial decisions uh, with people who aren't used to talking about money and aren't having a mature conversation. I think that's a uh, I, I, I understand completely why people would be uncomfortable in having that discussion, but I think by, in a sense, pulling the Band-Aid off and having uh, a gentle discussion about it and just saying, you know, this is the type of thing that we're thinking about, uh, we want to... Uh, we want to let you know this is this is how we want to structure things. Uh, you go through different issues as it relates to you know do you parse things out equally? Uh, do some people who need it more do you give more in that respect? To have those conversations earlier rather than later, uh, it's uncomfortable. But I, I would argue that that it's a good thing to have uh, as as early as possible. One way to broach that, we talked about it. And we'll talk about one way to broach the subject after our first break of the hour with Frazier Rice. This is this is compelling. We're going to ask uh, Frazier when he comes up, what is the exercise that he recommends for broaching the subject of wealth with your kids? Also, preparing for the hurricane of wealth. And how much do you cost? And what makes a good investment and more threats 
to your wealth. Up next, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. Tax-deferred vehicles such as 401ks and IRAs sound good up front, but did you realize that when you retire, you'll have to pay taxes on all your earnings? You can legally minimize your taxes when you withdraw retirement funds with tax-free IRAs and other tax-favored accounts. Call the Jelinski Advisory Group now at 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. To learn how you could enjoy a higher standard of living with these tax-favored accounts, make sure you don't get blindsided by taxes on your retirement plans. Call Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, now for a complimentary one-hour consultation to empower your financial decisions. Leave your checkbook at home. They will not sell anything at this meeting, but they'll educate you on your many options in retirement. In fact, if you call right now for one of the complimentary no-fee tax-fighting reviews, they will give you a copy of the book Tax-Free Retirement as a free gift if you call within the next three minutes. Call 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. Now let's get back in the huddle with the financial quarterback. Won't you wear my ring up around your neck To tell the world I'm yours by heck Let them see Good up for me And let them see by the wreck road neck Won't you wear my ring Frazier Rice of the book Wealth Actually and Frazier, uh, you you left off by talking about an exercise for uh, discussing the wealth conversation with kids. Sure. Uh, so I talked a little bit about shared philanthropy earlier in the program. I, I think another area that's important is to get everyone on a sound footing as it relates to financial literacy. So an exercise that uh, a family can go through uh, from grandparents to parents on down to the kids uh, is to is to go through a bit of a financial literacy program where you talk about the concepts like the power of compounding and what are the impacts of debt and interest and what investments are. That way, people understand how money works uh, and without having to go into the specifics necessarily of one's estate plan and what their personal situation is, the idea is to really help build some interest and some engagement in the process so that when you're ready to have that talk, uh, that there is some, uh, I would say, equal footing upon which people can understand what you're talking about. So that when you say that you're giving, if you have a financial plan where you, you need to favor one child over another because they have special needs, or uh, one person is an investment banker and the other is in the Peace Corps or something like that, uh, the, the idea that they understand how money works ahead of that discussion helps make that discussion go a little bit easier as opposed to saying, I'm favoring one person over another for this reason, and uh, you're sort of left with just the reason. And I think that's where uh, the idea of grounding the discussion in some financial literacy early on, and perhaps shared philanthropy, where people understand the strengths and weaknesses around each of their siblings and the parents, you start getting buy-in over the general prospect of why things are happening before actually having to lay out the details. Do you ever say, hey, it's none of your business? I mean, what, what if someone's listening who doesn't want their kids to know 
what they have but doesn't want it to create a fight? I mean, do they do they have a talk? What do they say at the talk? You know, sure. So, you know, many, many times I, I, there are plenty of people I've dealt with who say, I'm not going to let anybody know until I have to, and that'll be, you know, over my cold, dead body. <laughs> uh, and that may be fine. And so, you know, people know their families better uh, than I do oftentimes, but at the same time, I think you can get around that a little bit by ensuring as part of the educational process that there's some financial literacy involved. I think I think you get into real trouble with uh, with families where the kids just have no idea how money works and what what it can and can't do and the idea of spending less than you make uh, and what happens with the power of compounding. Uh, if you don't want to have a discussion of what the personal situation is, I think you can have a discussion about how money works and, and go through some exercises like the philanthropy discussion or, uh, you know, even something as basic as uh, giving an allowance to kids. You know, if you give kids $5 and you take $2 back to illustrate the impact of taxes, uh, those little types of things are the uh, – that's how lessons get learned. So that uh, when you drop the big one uh, later on and you say this is this is what we have and this is how uh, it's going to be disposed to my to everybody going forward, uh, there's at least a little bit of understanding of how that works and why it came from where it did. Sure. We're with the author of the book Wealth Actually, Frazier Rice, president of uh, Wealth Actually LLC. And we're talking about traps of wealth and leaving your legacy to your kids. What about people say, I mean, I, I should the patriarch or matriarch make the plan before they communicate it to, to children? I mean, I've seen, and the only reason I've seen this, I've seen where some people end up wanting a conversation. So they don't want to have a fight. So they have four kids. They bring four kids into the meeting with me, and then nobody agrees on anything, and then I never see them again. You know, right. so, so it almost seems like the four, it would have been better if the parent maybe met with the one child that's their go-to, sort of their alpha child, or the one that they're going to lean on for financial decisions, and then they present it to the others as like, yeah, this is what mom wants to do, you know. Yeah, each family is a snowflake. Uh, they're all different. Uh, the dynamics are different. Some families don't have kids, and everything goes to charity. Some have one kid, your problem is essentially solved. And uh, and then when you have multiple kids, I mean, gosh, it gets really complicated when you have sure. been married more than once, and you have to divide things up accordingly. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the important thing is to at least get the discussion going early, if not about the plan directly, about what the shared strengths and weaknesses are of the kids, so that there's an understanding that uh, if one person is, you know, math inclined or is in the investment business and the other one's a lawyer and maybe another one's an athlete and the other one's a teacher, uh, that there's some component that uh, there there is a... Uh, a shared sense of values that are trying to be transmitted to the family. And there's an understanding of the strengths and weaknesses and why if you choose one child over another, maybe to guide uh, the next generation going forward as it relates to the wealth, there's some understanding of why that's in place. And, and therefore, hopefully you get buy-in. Uh, when, when those 
when everyone kind of goes off their separate ways and then all of a sudden the only time they get back together is uh, over Thanksgiving and, you know, turkey legs get thrown at each other because they can't stand each other and that type of thing. Uh, that's not particularly useful. I, I think some sense of uh, shared communication going forward uh, can make that planning work even better if you're sort of uh, mandating it from on high. Uh, I'd rather see uh, at least some communication going on early so that the, the folks, if there's a conflict later on, and invariably there are because people's lives are different, uh, where people are coming from is at least understand, uh, understood by all involved, and the the conflict can stay with, at the at the factual level as opposed to degenerating into the emotional level. Great, and then we're going to be talking next about threats to your wealth, and then uh, more tips of where you should put your assets. Also, we're going to talk about after tax, after fee, after inflation returns. We'll be back after this. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And call us now at 888-988-JOSH for your copy of the book, Wealth Actually. When you schedule meet and greet this week, we'll be in Melville, New York, Red Bank, New Jersey, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City, Tom's River, and a spot near you. So now's the time to chime in. 888-988-JOSH. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Long Island. 888-988-JOSH. We'll be back after these messages. Tax-deferred vehicles such as 401ks and IRAs sound good up front. But did you realize that when you retire, you'll have to pay taxes on all your earnings? You can legally minimize your taxes when you withdraw retirement funds with tax-free IRAs and other tax-favored accounts. Call the Jelinski Advisory Group now at 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH to learn how you could enjoy a higher standard of living with these tax-favored accounts. Make sure you don't get blindsided by taxes on your retirement plans. Call Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback now, for a complimentary one-hour consultation to empower your financial decisions. Leave your checkbook at home. They will not sell anything at this meeting, but educate you on your many options in retirement. In fact, if you call right now for one of the complimentary no-fee tax-fighting reviews, they will give you a copy of the book Tax-Free Retirement as a free gift. If you call within the next three minutes, call 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. Now let's get back in the huddle with a financial quarterback. Talking with the author of the book, Wealth Actually. So what are some other, we we talked about legacy a bit, what what are some other uh, things that are the enemies of wealth building? You know, so so you've saved up some money. What what do we got to worry about? Well, so we talked a lot about the lack of communication and infighting. And uh, that that to me is, is number one. Uh, number two, uh, as, as I'm sure you have dealt with your clients and your listeners, is making sure that you uh, you structure your assets and affairs in a way that minimizes taxes. Uh, taxes are a major drawdown uh, as it relates to uh, investment performance, and so anything you can do, whether it's the use of 401ks or Roth IRAs or 
any sort of structuring where you're able to get uh, your assets uh, to yourself and to your next generation, minimizing income taxes and estate taxes and capital gains taxes, that's all to your benefit. Uh, I would say another major thing that I would be uh, acutely aware of is fees. Um, And fees are a major uh, drag on investment performance. And as we've seen lately, especially in the areas of ETFs and investment implementation, uh, fees are coming down uh, for different types of investment vehicles. And it's something where I would really, I would really scrutinize uh, very much what I'm invested in to make sure that I'm not paying for something that isn't really adding much value to me. Uh, those two things in particular are important. Uh, I would also say that the the other major uh, thing, and we talked about this before, is making sure that your costs don't outstrip your income and your assets. Uh, that is a threat to wealth, and it's something that, with some discipline and some forethought, can be avoided. Uh, and I think that's something that, that will help people have peace of mind later on as they uh, figure out their retirement plans and their estate plans, their, their legacy planning. What if you get somebody who goes through this exercise, how much do you cost in your book? And they realize, hey, you know, I spend thirty grand a month on stupid stuff, twenty grand a month. Some people listening uh, right now might be like, hey, yeah, yeah, I wish. What, what, what do you, what do you do? I mean, whether you have thirty grand to spend or three grand to spend, what are some tips when, when clarifying kind of the how much do I cost? Well, I think it goes back to the overall uh, concept of putting together a financial plan for yourself and your family. I think lining up what you have on the assets and income-producing side and understanding realistically what that is and not really hoping what it would be, and then lining up on the other side what your expenses are, everything from your mortgage to you know insurance costs to food and travel and everything like that, and then lining the two up and saying, okay, this is, this is my reality. This is what I need to deal with. And, and if on the cost side of things, you've got some bubble number of, of craziness, whether it's a huge clothing budget or you travel a lot or, uh, you know, whatever people do to spend money to have fun or otherwise, uh, you know, money just sort of leaks away. Uh, that's something you can control. And I would argue that you you can't control it unless you really understand what your total picture is. So I think the idea of having a broader financial plan, and that's where, you know, with advisors like you and others uh, can help is to say, look, this is is what I see. Um, And this is where I think you can help fix your situation so that you're not only poised to do well going forward, but you're also set up so that if there's a problem, like if you have to go on disability or you lose your job or, you know, your investments go down 40% like in 2008, uh, that your lifestyle is not significantly impacted. So what what about somebody who says, well, I, I try to budget and every time I budget, my wife and I get in a fight or, or, or me, you know, every, every other day, my, my, uh, kids are like, daddy, I need this. I, I need, uh, you know, a $16, uh, outfit for my clothes for my doll for my american girl doll dad and i you know and me i get brainwashed oh okay now that's actually a good price compared to some of these other things uh, <laughs> well, you know look, so, so 
You know, we're we're on the boardwalk the other day. They're like, Daddy, get me this fourteen dollar okay, that's not a bad price. Okay. So I cut a deal with them. I said I'm only gonna get you one of these in the next uh you know, the ne- you know, that that's your souvenir for going to the boardwalk. No other souvenirs. But they're they're tough deal makers. So so what do you do when you when you don't really you don't want to overlord your family with uh, budgetary decisions. Sure, you know I, I would say, look, peace and harmony are not uh, are not cheap, <laughs> and uh, uh, that, I'm not advocating that you go on a complete austerity budget where, uh, you know, look, this is. Um, uh, it's it's my way or the highway. I, you know, family dynamics are important, and it's it's a, something where you, you have to live your life as well. I would say though that maybe one way to do it is to uh, again on the communication side of things, uh, and as part of a you know some generic financial literacy lessons, especially with the kids, just lay out uh, this is what we have, and this is what it generates, and. This is ultimately, you know, what we're spending on, and we have to take certain things uh, into consideration there. Uh, one little exercise that I think is interesting is the idea of a, uh, in terms of teaching kids how to invest, is to uh, have a pot of money for a vacation, and you know, let's say you have a thousand dollars to spend to to do whatever, and you you set that aside early on, and you have the kids invest it. And if the kids invest it and it goes to zero, well, you're you're going camping or it's a staycation or something very inexpensive. Whereas if they uh, invest it and it turns into $2,000, well, you get to go somewhere nicer. And uh, by having the kids involved on that front with a pot of money that's been established early on, you're not only teaching them, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of investing and they learn certain lessons early on. There's family buy-in at all levels at that front. And ultimately, I think you get some real accountability lessons uh, involved as well. And I think that's a, it's just a useful exercise where uh, the, the, the decisions of the kids uh, have family accountability issues. And the idea that that has an impact on the overall budget will make that discussion a little bit easier a little bit later on. And I think the, the ancillary part of it is the kids, when they find out that uh, they put the whole vacation budget in risky penny stocks and they all tanked, uh, that will create a lesson that will be useful to them in their adulthood. Uh, whereas if they're more conservative uh, and that $1,000 sure. sort of sticks where it is, that's one thing. Uh, but you can get some real backdoor asset allocation lessons, uh, backdoor lessons about how stocks and bonds work, and backdoor lessons about risk management, which is really what you're trying to do there. Sure. We're with Frazier Rice, author of the book, Wealth Actually, with the right knowledge, planning, and guidance, you can preserve your assets and enjoy them. So what are some vehicles, you know, you know, people are listening, okay, this is great, you know, the touchy-feely, you know, save for your kids, all that, but what about, like, practical know-how of I'm sitting here, I have, you know, X in my 401k. What do I do now? You know, I have this, you know, what type of vehicles are you looking at? You mentioned that you're tax conscious. So so what what does the tax averse investor do? 
so for the tax averse investor, let's say you've gone through a process where you've understood what, what you have, what your costs are going to be, and generally what your uh, what your outlook is, and you've come to the conclusion that you want to minimize, let's say, income taxes and I guess capital gains taxes to the extent that you can. Uh, sort of financial planning 101 is to max out what you can in your tax advantage vehicles like 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEP IRAs, etc. Uh, that, in a sense, is free money as it relates to uh, not free money, but at least tax advantage money as it relates to planning for the future and for retirement and letting the power of compounding work for you even harder than if you were to invest in just an individual account. Then I would say that uh, for those assets that you've, you've figured out on that front that have gone to the retirement plan, the excess assets over that, I would build into my thinking an investment policy statement where essentially you write down on a piece of paper, usually with the help of an advisor who you know traffics in this every day and can help set some realistic guardrails around what makes sense in a stock versus bond allocation, uh, set down an investment policy statement saying, okay, this is what I want my money to do. This is the amount of risk that I'm willing to take. And this is the, these are the investment vehicles with which I think it makes sense. Now, uh, let's say you've gone through that exercise and you have a 50-50 stock bond split. You know, then I would start talking, looking into how that's implemented, uh, low-cost ETFs, uh, possibly some active management where they've been able to prove some level of uh, performance that makes sense for the fee that you're paying, and some level of tax, tax consequence minimization at each of those levels, I think is a, uh, that's where I would start on that front. Uh, for fixed income, which is on the bond side of things, uh, municipal bonds are a tried and true uh, tax advantage way to generate income. Uh, hopefully, as interest rates start to rise or normalize, those become a little bit more attractive than they've been uh, and a little bit less uh, risk. But that's how I would start. I would start with that investment policy statement and then let the uh, let the tax advantage component hang uh, hang off of that so that you're making uh, good asset allocation decisions and then you're tactically putting things into tax uh, situations that make a lot of sense. Wonderful. We'll be back with Love Actually's author, Frazier Rice, and get his take on trusts, finding your CFO, appointing the CFO, the chief financial officer of your wealth plan, and also... Uh, insurance tips. Up next, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And if you like what you heard, our featured book today is Fraser Rice's Wealth Actually. His people have been so generous to give us four free copies to the first four of you who schedule and keep your no obligation review. This week will be in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, and Pennsylvania. So call us now, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. We'll be back after these messages. Tax-deferred vehicles such as 401ks and IRAs sound good up front, but did you realize that when you retire, you'll have to pay taxes on all your earnings? You can legally minimize your taxes when you withdraw retirement funds with tax-free IRAs and other tax-favored accounts. Call the Jelinski Advisory Group now at 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. To learn how you could enjoy a higher standard of living with these tax-favored accounts, make sure you don't get blindsided by taxes on your retirement plans. Call Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, now for a complimentary one-hour consultation to empower 
your financial decisions. Leave your checkbook at home. They will not sell anything at this meeting, but they'll educate you on your many options in retirement. In fact, if you call right now for one of the complimentary no-fee tax-fighting reviews, they will give you a copy of the book Tax-Free Retirement as a free gift if you call within the next three minutes. Call 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. Now let's get back in the huddle with the financial quarterback. this Elvis we're playing and I, and I can't help falling in love with you <laughs> so wealth actually are free gift to you when you call us at 888 you talk a lot about mindset and, and really figuring out your goals before you get involved with uh, complicated trusts and planning tools but what, what tools do you like and what do you use for different purposes well I think from a pure estate planning 101 standpoint, uh, if you're talking to an estate planning attorney, you definitely need a will and healthcare proxy and, and those types of documents. Uh, when you get into the world of trusts, a, a good one to have, I think for just about anybody, is a revocable trust, meaning you can change it uh, once you've signed it uh, or revoke it and uh, put in a new one, that type of thing. The major positive of that is that in most states you're able to avoid probate, which is an expensive process as it relates to settling your estate. Now, when you get into other realms, trusts have many different functions, uh, but essentially uh, you're putting property, whether it's cash or a house or business interests or things like that, uh, in the hands of a trustee for purposes of safeguarding uh, for the benefit of beneficiaries. And uh, what what a trust does in that sense is put some structure around wealth uh, beyond just the typical disposing of it to somebody directly. So if you have a need, uh, let's say you have a special needs child, many times there are special needs trusts that are put in place so that uh, a trustee has the resources to be able to take care of that child. Uh, other times, uh, trusts are put into, into a situation so that property can be taken out of your personal estate and you can avoid estate taxes based on that front. Other times, property is taken out of someone's name and put in the hands of a trustee so that uh, it is, it's done for asset protection purposes. For instance, if, you th- if you're a, you know, a gynecologist or an anesthesiologist and there's a high likelihood uh, that you're going to be sued uh, or if you want your, if you have some situation where you think there's litigation apparent uh, going forward, uh, many people will put assets in trusts to provide some speed bumps uh, for those creditors who are, you know, maybe looking to attach your assets. So the the needs and and uh, uses of trusts are, ma- are many and varied. Uh, what I try to do though is to make sure that uh, if you're using trusts, uh, that 
you have them in place so that there is some structure uh, to effectuate the goals that you have in mind. And usually those goals are uh, the, let's call it the seamless transfer of assets to the beneficiaries that you want to have them. And, uh, it, and sometimes when people say, well, I want to put some structure around that so that they just don't spend it immediately, uh, putting it in place so that maybe those assets generate income for the next generation as opposed to just being outright. Great. We're with Fraser Rice, author of the book Love Actual Wealth. Actually, I keep. Uh, I know there's the uh, movie title, so I'm I'm having a mind trick. But as well, one of the things you mentioned, this is kind of moving. Uh, I want to get your take on insurance, but real estate. You make a good point in your section. I don't hear this enough. Uh, that common cost to consider. That is, people make more money for some reason. They dump it into a house, whether it's a house in Southampton or South Jersey. They, they tend to spend way too much on vacation homes. And yep. maybe they should rent. And, and I, I like that point that you brought up. Uh, you want to comment on that? Sure. I, I, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, look, vacation homes are terrific. Uh, however, they're expensive. And then they don't generate income. And I, I think what people, I think that's where emotion takes hold in terms of owning an asset as much as maybe financial or investment acumen. Uh, you know, the idea that a vacation home, you know, the pipes can burst, uh, you've got property taxes. Uh, it, it takes a lot to keep up multiple properties. It takes a lot to keep up one property. Uh, you expand it into a place that's got uh, that's near a beach, that's that's in a cold place, or uh, has environmental factors related to it. Uh, it, it, it on itself, it, I, I would not be thinking about a vacation home in investment terms. If you have the wherewithal to have one, I think it's something to be used and enjoyed. Uh, maybe you can get some investment income out of it by renting it out every once in a while. And you may even get lucky enough that it, that it appreciates over time. But by and large, most people aren't going to be selling their vacation homes unless there's some sort of financial extremist going on. And, uh, and so then I say to myself, well, and then you're going to yeah. sell it for a loss, not a gain. Yeah, I mean, so, right. so yeah, it's not really an investment. Uh, but too many people think of it as such. I, I don't. I think it's maybe due to popularity of Robert been, Kiyosaki and, and people like that. Yeah, I, I you know, I think it's, it's, I make the point in the book that uh, there's real estate and then there's income-producing real estate. And when when you have income-producing real estate and you're able to cover your costs and you're able to drive value that way then you can uh then you can th i think think about real a vacation home in investment terms uh otherwise it's just consumption uh and and that's not bad I, i'm not saying it's bad to consume i'm not saying it's bad to own a vacation home not by by any stretch but to expect to just sort of be dumping money into it not keeping track of it and then flipping it, uh, I, I think that's, I, I don't see it work as often as you think it would. And I think there's a, uh, some sort of prejudice or mindset that says, well, vacation homes are, they could be a good investment. They're in nice places. If you really do the numbers behind it and you go into financing and how much that costs and, uh, the property taxes and the upkeep, uh, if you bought something at, let's say $500,000 and you sold it at $600,000, 10 years later, 
but in actuality, you were you were pouring twelve thousand uh, dollars into it each each year. Yeah, which would be very low. I mean, that would be the property tax if you're lucky, and then you got all the upkeep. So, good good point. You didn't make uh, any money. Yeah, Frazier Rice Wealth actually will have a final segment with Frazier. But if you like what you're hearing, it's common sense investing and estate planning advice. It's a great read for those of you who are looking at transitioning your wealth to your kids or even to yourself. How much do you cost? Uh, where, Where should you put your money? How should you pick an advisor? All of that is featured in the book Wealth Actually. Call us now, 888-988-JOSH. If you're among the first four who schedule and keep your no-obligation review, this week will be in Long Island, New York City, Connecticut, North Jersey, Central Jersey, South Jersey, and a spot near, near you. So call us now, 888-988-JOSH. We'll be back after these messages. Tax-deferred vehicles such as 401ks and IRAs sound good up front. But did you realize that when you retire, you'll have to pay taxes on all your earnings? You can legally minimize your taxes when you withdraw retirement funds with tax-free IRAs and other tax-favored accounts. Call the Jelinski Advisory Group now at 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH to learn how you could enjoy a higher standard of living with these tax-favored accounts. Make sure you don't get blindsided by taxes on your retirement plans. Call Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback now, for a complimentary one-hour consultation to empower your financial decisions. Leave your checkbook at home. They will not sell anything at this meeting, but educate you on your many options in retirement. In fact, if you call right now for one of the complimentary no-fee tax-fighting reviews, they will give you a copy of the book Tax-Free Retirement as a free gift. If you call within the next three minutes, call 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-JOSH. Now let's get back in the huddle with a financial quarterback. Seven lonely days and a dozen towns ago, I reached out one night and you were gone. Don't know why you'd run, what you're running to or from. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Some parting thoughts with Frazier Rice of the book Wealth Actually, and his firm Wealth Actually. Call us now, 888-988-JOSH for the book. So what... what points would you have uh, for our listeners as we conclude this segment? I think the one major one is that it's okay to ask for help. I think the uh, folks like you, Josh, and uh, whether it's uh, lawyers or accountants and so on, uh, they're in place to help you make sense of all this stuff. It's difficult, uh, even for you know, practitioners, uh, people with a lot of experience, these are hard issues. And it's they may, sometimes the answers may not be very complicated, but to get to that point, it takes a good, thoughtful process to get there so that you're, you're not leaving any stone unturned. And at the same time, you're, you're not overwhelmed with detail because that can really, that can really be a crimp uh, as, you try to, as you try to get through these difficult discussions. Uh, I, I talk a little bit about picking advisors, and I, I think it's okay to talk to a bunch of different advisors. Uh, I think it's a good idea as well. Uh, to have, uh, in a sense, some younger advisors, many people who built their wealth with, uh, 
say if you built your wealth through real estate, you've had a real estate attorney by your side the whole time and accountants by your side the whole time. Uh, many times the wealth, the the planning that you've done, uh, and let's say you're a little bit further along and towards retirement, uh, those advisors may, may be retiring also. Uh, so it's not necessarily a bad thing to have younger advisors that relate well to the rest of the family as you put your team together. Uh, I, I also like the idea that sometimes the young Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's one of the reasons why we, we always look for young advisors as well, who we can train well. Uh, that, that's a great point. Also, what about you mentioned a CFO, and as you talked about being fee conscious, I, I guess that would mean that, that that means you should still pay a fee for a high-quality advisor, right? Absolutely. I, I, to not pay a fee, it, 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 it's bad business in a sense. You know, people's time is worth money, and and really good advice and trusted advice is worth paying for. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't shirk at the idea of uh, of paying a fee to the advisors that 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 you are comfortable with that are providing that high quality advice. Great point. Uh, one one uh, sixty seconds. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts are uh, really getting a handle of your own situation, understanding what your costs are, what your what your assets are, what you have in terms of earning capability, uh, understanding that yourself, uh, getting a set of values and concepts that you'd like to transmit to your family going forward. And putting that through a process where you're able to communicate that and have a, a, a good set of communications, uh, that's really going to be one of the ways that you help reduce infighting and protect your wealth going forward. And you'll be able to use your wealth to do the things that you want to do and leave the legacy that you want to have. Uh, I think it, it may not necessarily be that complicated, but that doesn't make it easy. And the best thing I, I would say is to, is to learn as much as you can and to try to put it into practice. Great. And get the book Wealth Actually from Fraser Rice. Be among the first four who schedule and keep your no-obligation review at 888-988-JOSH. And you get a copy of his book, 888-988-5674, 888-988-5674, 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH, get the book. Meet with us in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, 888-988-JOSH. The preceding program was sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group. Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including Five Star Wealth Manager, Advisory of the Year finalist by Senior Market Advisor, and Top of the Million Dollar Roundtable, are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth quarterback website at www.jelinski.org. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to effect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the rendering of personalized investment advice.
advice. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation.